You're listening to Recovery Nuggets Podcast, where we give you recovery nuggets to chew on and think about on your journey in recovery and on the path, featuring your host, David Clemen. What's up, all you recovery nuggets out there? This is your host, David Clemen, with an intro to this week's episode. This week, I'm honored to bring on Kate Googerly. She is of Sober Fitness with Kate on Instagram. She is um, two years sober, and she does these awesome reels that are very relatable in um, relation to fitness and sobriety. She's also a certified sober nutrition and fitness coach. And so um, she has a great story about um, getting sober in an environment where the people don't speak the same language as you. So, um, you know, she lives in a foreign country. Uh, she's a mom of three. So she has a lot of really good experience to share. And, um, we have some laughs and she, like I said, you got to check her out on Instagram and her information will be in the show notes. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of Recovery Nuggets. I'm your host, David Clement. I'm here with Kate Googerly. She goes by Sober Fitness with Kate. Hey, Kate. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going going good. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. I, uh, I always look forward to these opportunities to share a bit about what I went through, um, just because I think if if I can connect with one person the way I connected with another person, maybe that's that's the story they need to hear to get them on their path to sobriety. So thanks for letting me um, take up some of your time today. Oh yeah. And uh, well, you just touched on something there, you know, when you're, when I was uh, using and isolated and didn't really know what to do, it's very overwhelming to think I need all these people to help me, but really I just need one person to believe in me, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so that's a, that's a great point right out of the gate. Um, you know, I don't have to have a huge network of people to help me, but I do need, I had to ask for help and then I had to allow the help. And that was yeah. a big shift for me. I think for me, the, the, the change was finally admitting that, um, that I needed help and that alcohol was, yeah, more or less ruining my life. And I could either keep going down this path of letting it ruin my life um, or I could get out of it. And then, and it took, and it took a lot of tries to finally recognize like, this is enough, you know, but finally I, I, I had this middle of the night aha moment and I went and asked for help and did, you know, whatever I could to do to, to set myself up with a sober lifestyle. That's great. So you're on, uh, you're over two years now, right? Yeah, I'm gonna be two years on January 30th. Woo! I love yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Woo-hoo! I love it. That's, I'm very excited uh, that's about a, it. Yeah, and for anyone listening that's new, you know, one day is a miracle, and two years is a miracle, and 15, whatever, wherever you're at, even if you haven't gotten sober yet, it's you know just the fact that you're here is you know that's a it's a sign yeah. that's you know. I think like that you're questioning like what role is alcohol playing in my life right now? And if you're like, I was like, is it, is it 
taking your life from you or taking more from your life than you're getting from it. And just even questioning that and making small changes, um, I think is really excellent progress. I mean, I think like from a, just a physiological health perspective, um, it's great. And then also like, you know, um, if you're like where I was, as far as like how deep in the hole, I guess, um, getting out of getting away from alcohol sets you up for just better mental health too. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so we connected with, um, Instagram and you do these awesome reels and you do a lot of fitness videos and you put up a lot of good information. Um, and you go by sober fitness with Kate. So how has that helped your recovery? Well, so I, um, so I've always been like athletic or, you know, physically fit, I guess. Um, and I'll give you like a little bit of like my background. So like, I, I grew up on a dairy farm and working hard was just something instilled in me at a young age. And I made this connection between like my self-identity and, and my work results. Right. So when you're young and your parents are like, Hey, thanks for like, you know, mucking out those stalls, you mm-hmm. feel, it makes you feel good. Right. Then when you're in school and you're getting good grades and your sports performance is kept, is written about in newspapers, you, it, it, it gives you this sort of identity. Like, you know, um, um, this is, you're the girl who gets good grades in school and does really well athletically. And then you go to college and then you still the girl getting the grades, then you get a good job and your identity revolves around accomplishments. And, um, uh, that's kind of, um, in a nutshell, who I was up until I got, until I met my husband who is Swiss and we, we met actually in a bar and sort of started dating long distance. And then he was given a job opportunity in the U S and so I had tried to um, look for work with my company to move to um, the Midwest to be with him. And I couldn't. So I quit my job. And on the one hand, I was like, I'm free. But on the <laughs> other hand, um, after a short amount of time of not working and not doing anything to say, validate my sense of self and, mm-hmm. and feel a sense of pride and self-worth, like I noticed that the alcohol started to become a bigger, play a bigger role in my life um, to to kind of turn off these feelings of inadequacy. And then, um, uh, because who I was up until getting married was all about my accomplishments, you know, being a good worker, excelling professionally and, and all of that noise, right? And then I quit my job, took a massive pay cut when I found work again, which is, was a major blow to my ego too, you know, like yeah. here I am with a master's degree doing um, administrative type work. And, um, and so, yeah, so alcohol started to creep into my life a little more and more. Mm-hmm. And then we, we, um, we got married and we had our first two kids pretty quickly. And um, alcohol was one of these things where, you know, when I was pregnant, it wasn't an issue. Um, but very quickly when I had my kids, I would go back to my old drinking behaviors and using alcohol to cope when I was feeling down or being out with friends and drinking too much to excess, you know what I mean? And then, um, and then we moved overseas and then I had my third child 
And then I, and then the alcohol, what it, like the, what's interesting is I can't tell you at what point I crossed the line into relying on alcohol to manage my emotions. Um, But at some point it happened. And once you, once that line is crossed, it's very quickly how much I, like, I I think alcohol begins to consume your life very quickly where um, you, you're thinking about alcohol and then you're drinking alcohol and then you're recovering from alcohol and then you're thinking about alcohol again. And when you add that to somebody who's going through postpartum depression, you've got this, this nightmare of a situation. And uh, yeah, like my, my reliance on alcohol grew pretty significantly when we were in Poland. That's the first country that we moved to. I couldn't access English speaking help easily. And I just wasn't ready to, you know, it was much easier for me to walk down the street and buy vodka than it was to get in a car and drive 90 minutes to get help. Right. So (laughs) this, 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 this spiral, you know, it just, it was this, this, this black hole, like whatever you want to, however you want to describe it, like was just um, growing. The problem was growing bigger and bigger. Right. And so you know, my husband um, and I had always talked about coming to Switzerland and he um, was able to end his work assignment in Poland early to just get us out of there. And so we got to Switzerland and I swore I would never be the like drunk foreign mom in our little village because it was already bad enough that I was the foreign mom. Mm -hmm. But when you have like, uh, an alcohol use disorder, um, you do the things you swore you would never do. You know, like I stumbled down drunk to the store where everyone knows who everyone is and bought more vodka and made us made a fool of myself. You know, um, walked to the school one afternoon after having a couple of drinks and had some very awkward interactions with parents. I mean, it just quick, it was just, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was doing all the things I swore I would never do and becoming less and less of the person that I was, which was a, you know, hardworking, honest, genuine, caring, loving, Mm -hmm. good person. And finally what happened was like, I was coming off of a multi-day bender. And I can't tell you how long it it was because I don't remember the day that I started to drink. And um, I do know that I woke up on January 30th in the middle of the night and was like, enough, enough. And um, I have a, I have, I'm, I'm not overtly religious. I have this like religion to me is a balance between like the universe and yeah. God and the two of them were like, I want to say like, you know, kicked me in the butt and woke me up because it was the first time I was lucid in about a week. And I realized like, you know, either, either you keep going down this path or you quit this now. And I, I decided to quit it now. I, I surrendered finally and woke my husband up, said I needed help. And we went and we were able to find a rehab program for me here in Switzerland. And I, I think like 
with sobriety, there's no magic cure to quitting alcohol. I think it comes from you and you have to decide that you, you've had enough with it uh, because there's a lot of work that goes into getting sober and, and you're the one doing the work. So if you're not willing to make the change and do the work, it's, it's, that's the thing about getting sobriety to stick. And so I went to a German speaking rehab mm. with my translator and um uh, I was the, the, the main doctor spoke English. And so that was good. The 15 minutes of the week that I saw him, but the rest of the time it was with German speaking therapists and German speaking patients and um, doing German speaking activities. But I was like, nope, I am going to leave this facility in six weeks and I'm going to be sober and I'm going to continue to be sober. I'm going to do what I need to do. And well, can I just stop you there? Yeah. All I hear there is this, this willingness to do something different because you could have used any of that as like an excuse. Oh, well, no one can speak English to me, blah, blah, blah. No, that, and you touched on it. It's that, that gift of desperation. Like, no, this isn't going on anymore. I'm doing, I'm willing to do whatever. So uh, sorry. I just had to, I just, no, that's, that's exactly right. Like you have to be, you you know, that. When you get sober, like, you know, you don't have to follow a certain path. You have to figure out what what it is that you want to do for yourself to stay sober. But you have to do the work, you know, and, you know, um, so to kind of close the circle back to what you asked in the beginning about the sober fitness bit. When I was in treatment, one of the therapy options they offered me was movement therapy and going back to having been um Uh, an athlete when I was younger and, you know, doing physical labor on the dairy farm, like this appealed to me very much. So I spent like my first year at home, just exercising a lot, um, making up for lost time with my kids, you you know, um, moving my body when I felt triggered, um, taking care of my body, um, Mm -hmm. eating better, um, sleeping better, you know, like doing all of these things. Um, um, and then going into, so right around the end of my first year of sobriety is kind of when I got an Instagram and started talking more and sharing little snips. Um, and, um, I just have, I think connected to a broader community of individuals who, um, have all found their own path to sobriety. Um, but one thing I really believe in is that um, like a, a movement, like what, you know, it doesn't have to be running ultra marathons. It, it can be something simple as getting out of your house and walking to clear your mind. But I really do believe that movement um, is important to um, creating a strong body and therefore a strong mind. And so that's kind of what I try to, I try to, uh, try to share that with people, um, as my main tool for getting through those early days of sobriety with the cravers and cravings and the triggers, and then turning that into lasting sobriety. Um, cause there are things that I have done as a sober person that I never would have imagined for myself. Um, like physical challenges. And, um, I think like that's, that also, um, that's exciting. Like, you know, when you're, uh, you keep pushing your body 
and seeing what your body's capable of doing and um, having goals for yourself um, and sharing those goals and being patted on the back about the stuff that you do, you know, like it's all, it all just kind of, um, it works for me. Like that's my, um, that's my story is that it, um, um, is that I guess like I was willing to do what I needed to do, um, to quit drinking. Um, and, um, I move, I move a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, all the stuff that I heard you say, I mean, it's, it makes sense, you know, and you and I, we, we were talking before we started recording about, you were sharing some of your story about you had a lot of these roles that, you know, you were an athlete and you were in school and you had basically an identity and I had very similar, I was class president I was captain of basketball. I wasn't, we weren't the best basketball team, but that was part of my life. And then I went to college. And then when I got out of college, I was working in fashion in New York, but then there was a point where the drugs and alcohol were filling the voids that I didn't have it. The, the identities I didn't have anymore. And so then when it shifted and what I heard you say was it's real subtle, but like I heard this one time, our definition of normal changes is in, in relation to our using or drinking. You know, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, what happened? Yeah. You know, you know, and And it's hard to pinpoint. It's hard to pinpoint for me, like where that, where my body became physically dependent upon it, like for like being just for getting, like getting through the day and finding joy in that. I can give you an example of like this, um, like, so I think like what alcohol does to our to our bodies is that it, it makes it hard to enjoy simple things, you know, like our bodies become, our brain becomes reliant on this, this substance to find joy in even the simplest of things. And like, I remember one day I, um, I was out with the kids. So my kids are all 18 months apart and that's a challenging, um, um, situation when you have three of them, eight ranging from newborn to three. And, um, I have the hardest time going from two kids to three kids because when my middle child was born, my oldest was not a very active child. And so I could get rest. And then both of my girls started sleeping through the night right away. So I was feeling more recovered. You know, I didn't have these multi time in the night wake-ups and stuff like that. And I could rest during the day and it wasn't as stressful. And then when my son came along, my two oldest are extremely active, not napping really anymore. And now my son is a crap sleeper. And so I'm not sleeping at night and I'm not sleeping during the day. And I'm just like, and and then I'm feeling like I'm not able to take care of anyone's needs well at all. So I'm beating myself up, you know, um, for how, what kind of a mother I was. And so one day we went to the park here in town, like, the, and we had such a fun time, the three of us. And I had in my mind, like the moment I got home was when there was going to be some sort of drama. They'd start fighting over toys again, or, you know, I'd have to figure out how to keep them entertained and make dinner. And I started to like these good feelings that I had had from this simple morning started to, to drift away. And I didn't want those 
good feelings to go by because it was the first time I felt high naturally, if you will, in mm-hmm. a long time. And so what do you think I did to maintain that? I walk on the walk home, I stopped and bought a bottle of vodka. And then of course, because it's never, it was never just one shot of vodka for me, it was multiple, like mm-hmm. the freaking day blew up and yeah, just like, um, and so one of the beautiful things right now, like I think about being sober is doing like little, little, little things, little like getting out with the kids and, or reading a book or I don't know, finding joy in simplicity again. Like, you know, like I, I, I feel like when you're a kid and I can see this with my kids, like. Um, yeah, of course they look at a toy catalog and they want all the things with the bells and whistles, but you know, what also entertains them some sort of silly make-believe game where we've printed out some masks and we race around the house with these, these, (laughs) these, you know, scribbled on masks. And it's some sort of like, it's a simple, a sim it's, it's, it's something so simple that gives them so much joy. And I feel like, as I got older and relied more and more on alcohol, I lost the ability to find the joy in the simple things, you know? And so that was something that's, that was, that I was able to get back out of, out of getting sober that I'm really grateful for. I love it. I wanted to ask you about this. So I think we all can identify with things are going well. And then I start projecting that it's not going to be well. What do you do these days when that, those kind of negative, like say you're having a good day and then you, you feel yourself projecting. What, what do you do differently today? Yeah. Is that where the fitness comes uh, in? Yeah. Well, so sometimes, yeah, for sure. Like I, I will. So this morning I worked out, um, uh, with a friend of mine and, um, that always gives me like a lot of like positive energy. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, what happened? I'll tell you this. So I, so one of the things like another kind of connection to my drinking was just growing up with a lot of anxiety and not really being like learning tools to cope with it. Like, you know, um, I noticed that kind of manifest a bit when I was in college and going to like fraternity parties, like I had to be the one that probably got like drunkest, the fastest, because that whole social environment and being around other people made me extremely uncomfortable. Right. So I would just start like slamming alcohol and like, till I felt nice, like loosey goosey. And double fisted. Um, yeah, exactly. And yep. so anxiety played a role in my drinking. Um, and um, yeah, it's still something that I, I struggle with even today. And so I'll give you an example of something I did. So I was um, um, starting to work with a PT client and she approached me about um, losing weight, but also wanting to um, build strength. She had had some results with strength training in the past and she wanted me to put together a program for her. Now I could spend hours putting together workouts for me, right? Like, oh, that would be fun. Or, oh, that would be fun. But now like I'm putting this together for somebody else and I'm sitting in my, in front of my computer and all of a sudden I'm getting this weird sensation in my chest. It's that old anxiety feeling coming back and like sitting on me. And it, and for me, like my physical response to anxiety is that I, I get like a, t- a chest tightening sensation, but it also just makes me freeze. Like I can't do anything. And so 
Um, what I did is a lot of self-talk and it was like, okay, Kate, come on. Like, you know how to make a fitness program. This isn't the first time you've ever been asked to do it. Um, what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, like, um, the worst that's going to happen is she doesn't get the results that she wants. Are you going to go to jail for it? No. Is she going to sue you for it? Most likely not. Um, is she going to call you a fraud? Maybe, but even that's highly unlikely because oftentimes, like if you set a fitness program for somebody that has like a nutrition goal and is a, a, a workout um, program, um, unless they're following it to the T, like there's a logical explanation for them, like, like, or rather if they're not following it as you've laid out, then that's tends to be the explanation for them not hitting their goals. Right. So I had to have this whole dialogue in my head. I felt like there was two of me just fight it out in there, you know, like two Kates, like, come on, yeah. <laughs> like, like you stink. No, you don't. You're good. Like it's crazy. And it, but I will tell you this, like I had this inner boxing match go on and I it, it was the dinner rush. I had to get the kids in bed. And then I sat down to my computer like that night and I was like, all right, let's put this program together. And it worked yeah. like that sort of kind of exercise where you just lay out the scenario in your mind and what's the worst that's going to happen. And you start shooting holes in, in these, these, these things, you know, that, yeah. that start to freak you out. Um, and so, uh, so that, that's definitely what well, that's, that, that's, that's how I handle that sort of thing now is because I, I am, I am definitely like the type of person who projects out like yeah. the worst thing that could happen is going to happen. And, um, <laughs> well, this, so this is, imp yeah, I mean, this is important because this is a lot of times why I used to go back to the same tool because I would project and already have decided it was going to be a catastrophe. So I might as well go ahead and drink and fix yeah. it because it's yeah, really yeah, about yeah, control yeah. too. It's a control thing. It's like, well, I know it's going to be bad. I'll control how I feel. But yeah, what that's I funny. You mentioned that word because I think part of my drinking too, after becoming a mom and um, not having control of my day-to-day -day schedule, like I don't have control over when I'm waking up. Um, I don't have control how the kids are going to be. Um, I don't have control over their illnesses or any of that sort of thing. Drinking became something for me that I could control. And also like, um, it was mine, like the kids right. that, you know, like sometimes like I, even now, like I, like we, you know, we're trying, my husband and I are trying to raise like, like like individuals that can function in society. Right. And so we're teaching them like, Hey, please don't pick your nose at the dinner table or don't take something off your sister's plate. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and they're great. Like they're, my mom calls them, um, road angels and home devils because they're they they're great <laughs> out um but at home they sort of push the limits right and so the drinking thing like ha always having somebody say oh can I eat what you're eating mama or can I drink some of that right and I have my like my my pint glass of um 
of alcohol. And I'd say, well, no, you can't drink any of this because there's alcohol in it and it's mommy's. And I, it belonged to me and I could control it. And I mm. tried to explain that to my husband once kind of as the drinking got worse and worse, you know, and he was like, I just don't understand that as a logical explanation for your drinking, Kate. Like there's nothing logical about that. And uh, I think like, that's the difference between him. Like, you know, his experience becoming a parent was much different than mine because he still went to work. Mm-hmm. Um, he was still able to get his workouts in his, his sleep at night was never interrupted. I mean, my, my life, uh, and then even just like the, the physics of getting pregnant, like, yeah. you know, it's, like I went through like the physical change and all of this stuff associated with it and he never had to. And so like, I, like, um, I think being in control of something was important for me. And I, I was in control of my alcohol until I really wasn't in control of the right. alcohol at all in the end, you know? Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the more that information that comes out about addiction and um, how it started initially they were coping mechanisms and they actually were good coping mechanisms in the beginning, you know, and in relation to trauma and things like that. But there comes that point where it's a train wreck, (laughs) you know what I mean? But I appreciate you sharing that because learning to deal with something you didn't know how to deal with before, like the projections and the triggers and stuff, but doing a different, um, doing it, dealing with it in a different way is what recovery is about. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 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 I mean, we all have like, like I said, like, you know, like I'm in a sober women's Facebook group and there are so many women that want to get off this merry-go-round and, Honestly, I'd love to give everyone a pill, like take this pill, you'll be sober mm-hmm. tomorrow. But there's there's nothing like the answer is that there is no answer. You have to figure out what's going to work for you and you have to be willing to do the work. And a lot of that also just comes with trial and error. I mean, yeah, okay, I went to rehab the second time and I left rehab 6 weeks sober and I have been sober ever since. But I also tried a lot of times on my own to moderate or to quit or to go to rehab. I, you know, I was in rehab one time before that, which didn't work. So there were a lot of efforts made. And I think like, you know, I, I use this phrase getting sober in the real world. Um, and when you get sober in the real world, you, you um, need to have these experiences where you maybe go a week or two without drinking, then you drink again and you're like, God, what you know, like, it's like people beat themselves up for slips. And I, I like to call them experiences because those experiences are what you need to figure out your path to sobriety. Yeah. It's part of the fabric of your foundation. I mean, it's, and um, yeah, I mean, I really appreciate what you just said. You know, a lot of people when they come out of rehab or detox or whatever, they suggest they get connected with the recovery community in whatever way they can, because um, it is about connection and, and, you know, doing it in the real world, it's, it's safe in rehab, but yeah, you've got to start applying it in our everyday lives. So, yeah. All right. Well, that sounds like a good segue into um, your recovery nuggets. So what would you, what, what would you like to share with everyone that would, you know, helps you in your recovery? So I like to get high on life. 
which is interesting that this is like my little like the, the recovery nugget phrase because my mom used to say this to me all the time like I don't know why you drink Kate you should just get high on life and I'm like okay Karen like get high on life whatever that whatever the heck that means right but it, I think it's really important for people getting sober to find the things that give them that feel good feeling that they got from alcohol. So like for, for a lot of people, it can be, um, journaling, meditating. Um, for me, it's, you know, physical fitness is really important to me. Um, there is, there are podcasters like yourself. Um, um, there are people who just, they blog about their sobriety. Like they talk to other people. Um, a lot of people I notice get into crafting, like finding, like, I, it's amazing how much, like how um, the talents that you uncover when you stop drinking. And if, and, and I think like, you know, when you're in the throes of substance abuse, all your energy goes to feeding that. Right. And then when you take that away, you got a lot of time on your hands. So people, um, I know um, someone who has started a side business of, um, she does embroidery and she's so talented with the embroidery that she does or um, um, uh, uh, bead makers. Like there's a woman um, I'm friends with in Hawaii who makes earrings and they're beautiful. I mean, it's really amazing. Like you, what, what you channel that drinking and or, or drugging energy into, you know, like, cause you have to channel it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't want to, I think like, um, staying busy is really important and trying new things like, you know, having hobbies to replace a massive drinking hobby you know, is really important. I like to crochet, um, as an example, like I, I like to read, um, I spent a lot of time like binging on Netflix, like in, uh, Hulu in my first year of sobriety, you know, sleeping yeah. a lot. I, I love a good nap, a good daytime. Oh yeah. Nap. Power nap. <laughs> if we here. weren't on this podcast right now, I probably would be sleeping. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, so yeah. yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, find a way to get high on life. And, um, of course, you know, um, like get sweaty and stay sober. I mean, that's my big thing is they really like, I, I've never experienced quite, you know, a good feeling, um, um, similar to that feeling I had when I was drinking, um, like I do when I, when I work out and, um, yeah, it's exciting to see, like, for me, um, the things that I can accomplish with my body, um, that I never, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 42. So that, that was interesting. So I, I hit my, I was supposed to go to Iceland for my 40th birthday, oh, but I man. spent, um, my 40th birthday. I turned 40 on my seventh day alcohol free in German speaking rehab. So wow. kind of a, a different, um, um, the different, <laughs> different from what I had planned for myself. Um, but you know, like I'm about to hit 42 and I am like in prime physical health and, um, just again, like it astounds me, um, what, like I I gave up alcohol and got so much in my life as a result. And so, um, yeah, I think, uh, like that's another nugget too, is like, you know, 
yeah, okay, you're giving up something, but you're getting so much in return, really. Yeah. Um, I think that's just, uh, I think that, you know, when you frame it that way too, like it's less of, oh, I'm giving up alcohol to more of, yeah, I'm giving up alcohol. Look at all this stuff I got, you know? Yeah, yeah that's a great um, way to look at it. It's a huge change in perspective. And also, you know, not for nothing, but <clears throat> say you had to go to Iceland, it's a huge drinking culture over there. Uh, and that's not, you can't, it. I'm not a big on blame, but if you're in the throes and then you go to, you know, you go there, yeah, you, know you might what? not. Like, have- I had already, I had already planned like that I'd be in the hotel drinking alone. And how safe is that? I mean, that's not safe at all to be in a foreign country, like drinking alcohol as it's like a, a single female traveler. I mean, the, when you're in like, that's like the other thing too, is like, I, I just um, really feel for people struggling with addiction because I was that person struggling with addiction. And I know that I did some crazy stuff. And as you know, by by the grace of God, I'm here today to talk about it because mm-hmm. it it could have ended so much differently for me, you know, like, like, so um, I think too, like, you know, if you're listening and you're really struggling with alcohol, like don't give up on yourself because, you know, you just, you, you know, there are so many people that have gone through alcohol and drug addictions even deeper and worse than mine and they've gotten out of it and i think like you know don't ever give up on yourself and think there's no hope for you because if if you want that bad enough and and you do the work i think you know you can get out of whatever situation you're in that's awesome thank you so much well thank you for being here and um yeah 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 and um I will put all your information on the show notes and, um, you know, do you work with, do you, is that kind of a side business that you coach people or how does that work? Yeah. So that's something that's come out of my sobriety is, you know, I struggled with trying to figure out who I was when I became a mom and moved overseas and who I could be. And, um, I've sort of channeled my passion for using fitness to keep me sober into supporting other people in in that regard. I mean, I don't, I don't think that um, money should be an issue when it comes to a person trying to get healthy and get fit. I put a lot of content on my Instagram page, a lot of tips and tools for you to come up with your own fitness program. Um, and I, I want it to be that way because when I was in rehab, I just remember a lot of people talking about how they didn't have the financial resources to um, join a gym or um, to learn more about nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of um, free content on my page and I'm always answering questions in the DMs, right? Yeah. And kind of what I've built a business for myself is if you want to take your um, training up a level, and you need someone to hold you accountable for it, um, then that's where you would hire me as like your kind of accountability coach um, um, to keep you to, to, to get you to stick to your program. Cause sometimes, you know, it helps putting a little money where your mouth is, you know, some people yeah, are invested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, precisely. Like some people I can give a nutrition target to and say, look, this is your calorie deficit. If you want to lose weight, 
these are the calories you need to hit. You need to track it with my fitness pal and do X, Y, and Z. And some yeah. people are great at doing that on their own. Some people just need to be held a little bit more accountable and like have someone yeah. say, Oh, Hey girl, I noticed that you didn't put your calories in, or I noticed that you missed a workout or, right. um, did you like that workout or no? Let me change it up. You know what I mean? Like, so that's been something really awesome for me. That's come out of this is that, um, yeah, like I've been able to really, my sobriety allowed me to, to reshape my life, um, and, re and reinvent myself. And I, and I, I think like, I, I just love that because I struggled with that identity, that connection to, um, working and, and all of that, um, it served its purpose in, you yeah. know, in the past. And now I've come up with a way to redefine who I am. That gives me a reason to kind of get out of bed in the morning and, um, um, yeah, exist. So I love it. It's, uh, it's rewarding and it, it gets you out of bed and there's enthusiasm and, I mean, that's, that's a great message. So I really appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks thank again you. for having me. I really oh, loved sure. your conversation. Oh yeah. It was great. This is awesome. Disclaimer, Recovery Nuggets podcast and guests are not representatives of any 12-step program. I am not a doctor, counselor, or therapist. I share my experiences, strength, and hope. Guests of the show share their personal experiences and opinions. Take what you like and leave the rest. Each person's journey in recovery is unique. Thank you for listening to Recovery Nuggets Podcast. Thanks again for listening to Recovery Nuggets Podcast. I want to thank our guests this week. And uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can reach out on Instagram at Recovery Nuggets Podcast. And the email is Recovery Nuggets Podcast at gmail.com. Also like and subscribe on Spotify and Apple and be great if you leave a five-star review that really helps out the podcast and uh, really want to thank you for showing up for your recovery today.